good morning. I am so glad to see you this morning. I'm glad I get to be here with you. We are actually in week number five of a five-part series, and we've been following Jesus and John all the way through John's biography. And in this process, we've been looking at every single mention of light and darkness. It's one of the many things that we have in John's biography. And today we're going to work our way through the remainder of the book. Now, don't worry, it's not going to be as involved as it sounds because today we're actually just going to be highlighting, while it's many, five specific places where we see light and darkness in the remaining of John's writing. Uh, this morning, we're actually going to tell it as a story. So it's going to move much quicker because actually that's what a biography is. It's a story about someone. And this is the rest of the story about Jesus, the light of the world. Last week, we ended by saying that Jesus was getting ready to perform this miracle that would really largely land him on the cross. And he knew that, and he ran towards it anyway, and he actually invited the disciples to go along with him. Uh, it's kind of as if Jesus is saying, okay, guys, listen, even if it's dangerous, because I'm here and I am the light, this is on the list of things we have assigned to us. So danger is not the gauge right? And that's true for us too. And following Jesus and following through with whatever he said, danger is not the gauge. The gauge is, well, did God give that assignment to you? And if the answer is yes, well, we don't have to worry. That means the light, Jesus, is with you. Now, we should, in that case, then move forward really with some urgency. Now, on the surface, running towards danger, man, that might seem crazy. But for a follower of Jesus, here's why we can do it with confidence. Because wherever Jesus is at this very moment, he is still the light of the world. And the darkness will never extinguish it. Now, Jesus has been teaching this stuff over and over again, darkness. And he's saying, hey, listen, disciples, it is headed your way. And we know very soon the disciples are going to be very much overcome with darkness. I mean, they're going to be devastated by darkness. Even though Jesus has telling, been telling them and he kept telling them, they never saw it coming when it happened. Now, for you and I, yes, still, even today, darkness, well, it's all around us. But the darkness still will never overcome the light of the world because we have our assignment too, and it's from God. What is on our to-do list that's been given to us by God? Now, that's really an important question because last week, Bryce admitted and Cole admitted, they said, listen, we don't like the unknown. We like a sure thing. And last week, most of us would agree with that, that we also prefer that rather than the unknown. So then what exactly is our assignment that Jesus is inviting us to run toward? And we want to get really clear on our to-do list, which has been assigned to us by God himself, and we're going to try to do that today. But in order to get there, we actually need to tell you the rest of the story. So here's scene number one. Now, Jesus is just days away, hours from his death. Now, he knows it's coming. Now, there's a crowd of people who are following him in this moment on this day. We don't know exactly how large the crowd is. We just know it's a crowd. And he tells them very clearly that he's going to die. And then in that moment, John and the others hear a voice from heaven. And it says, I have already brought glory to my name and I will do it again. Wow, that's amazing. 
Jesus then, he indicates how he's going to die. He says, I'm going to die by being lifted up from this earth, and I'm going to draw everyone to myself. Now, when he said that, he's really alluding to him being lifted up on a cross. And then Jesus says this. Let me read this. The crowd responded, we understand from Scripture that the Messiah would live forever. How can you say that the Son of Man will die? Just who is this Son of Man anyway? I mean, they're, they're confused, and that's usual. You see, they have an idea of what the Messiah is supposed to do, what they think he is there to do, and they've been waiting for him for a long, long time, thinking he's going to do that, just that. And now they're hearing a different reality of God's plan for the Messiah, and it just doesn't mesh with what they've been taught. So yeah, they're confused, and they're worried. Jesus replies in verse 35. Jesus replied, my life, will shine for you just a little longer. Walk in the light while you can. Now, this statement means that the light will, that as we walk in the light, we need to keep on walking. So walk and keep on walking. And then Jesus says, so the darkness will not overtake you. Those who walk in the darkness cannot see where they are going. Now, this is the same thing that Jesus has been teaching over and over again through John. It's all regarding his light. But now he adds a new word, not just walk in the light. In verse 36, he says, put your trust in the light. Put your trust in the light while there's still time. And that word means trust and keep on trusting. It's a continuous trust, an ongoing trust, moment by moment. I'm trusting with this step, and now I'm going to trust with this step, and now this step, and this step. It's ongoing. And then Jesus said, then you will become children of light. Now, I've got to apologize here for just a moment. Once again, in this series, we need to look at the Greek grammar here, become. The word become literally means one time for all time. Don't miss this. So in other words, here's what he's saying. We don't trust a little bit and trust a little bit and trust a little bit and slowly become children of the light. That's not what he's saying. He's saying we do trust a little and trust a little and trust a little and trust a little. It is ongoing. But when it comes to transforming from death into life, that happens in a moment. It's not progressive. That is so important. It is a one time, a momentary decision for all time. So here's what it means. Don't miss this. While trusting in Jesus is to be practiced without stopping, you don't become a child of God, a child of the light by degrees. You pass decisively out of death into life in a moment, one time for all time, out of darkness into light in a moment, one time for all time. Wow, that is so significant. It doesn't mean you're going to remember when that moment was. I, some people just don't remember that moment. And so we're not going to place that pressure on you. So here's the question for you. If you don't remember that moment, my question is this. Are you following Jesus right now? Is he the boss of your life right now? If the answer is yes, then you have changed. You have made that momentary transition at some point. And children of the light, Jesus is describing they're not merely people who have just kind of a slight interest in the light. 
No, 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 no. This is referring to those whose lives have been revolutionized and transformed. Their lives are characterized by the light. And this light becomes their identity. It's who they are. It's not just what they do. And Jesus is saying, this is so clear, you can't be a follower of the light and at the same time be half-hearted about the light. Now, John jumps into the story and he tells us that after Jesus said these few things that he went away and he was kind of hidden from the crowd for a bit. Now, I want to let you know uh, a fact here. And when I say this, it's always shocking to me, disturbing sometimes. But despite the miracles, despite the voice they just heard from heaven and they had heard a voice before, despite Lazarus walking out of the grave alive in Jerusalem, most of the people didn't trust in Jesus. Wow. Now, let's go back to the story. So very soon, Jesus emerges from his time alone, and then he says this. It says, Jesus shouted to the crowds. Now, he wasn't shouting angrily. It was probably a large crowd, and he's having to project his voice. He says, if you trust me, you're trusting not only me, but also God who sent me. Now, listen to what he says in verse 45. For when you see me, you are seeing the one who sent me. And this is huge. Jesus, once again, right here, declaring, listen, fellas and ladies, I'm not only the Messiah, I'm God. And then he says, I have come as a light to shine in this dark world so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. Now, let me jump in for a moment. If there is anyone in your life who's telling you, hey, Jesus never made these claims about himself, never said he was the Messiah, never said he was God, then that means they just simply don't understand the book of John, the writing of John, like the first century people did. He clearly not only said he was the Messiah, the Christ, he said, I am God. Just have them read John's account. It's all over. This Jewish carpenter named Jesus from Nazareth made some unfathomable claims about who he is and why he came. Now, let's go back into the story. So hours after Jesus said this, they were preparing for the last Passover meal. This was the last one Jesus would experience until the day that he celebrates the Passover again with all believers in eternity. Now, after they finish this meal, this is the meal where after that day, he goes to the garden, he's going to be arrested, and then he's going to die. And Jesus is very aware of all of this and the order and how this is going to happen. But during this Passover meal, at one moment, Jesus stops, he looks at Judas, the betrayer, and he says this, hurry and do what you're going to do. Now, I bet if anybody noticed that, the other disciples, uh, some of them heard it. We know John did. He wrote it down. They, uh, they were probably perplexed. They didn't understand what was going on. They didn't know what was happening. They didn't know this was a betrayal at this moment. They did later. And according to John, then he wrote, so Judas left at once going out into the night. And there's our next instance of darkness. He went out to the night. Yes, he left a, a literal illuminated room and he ran into the literal dark night. But Judas was also at the very same time running from Jesus, the light of the world. So not only was Jesus headed into a literal darkness, Judas was now headed into an eternal spiritual darkness. Because 
I mean, those are the choices, after all. Light versus dark. There's no in-between. And here John is telling us that Judas chose spiritual darkness. I mean, John's writing, it is so beautiful. And really, it's incredible storytelling. From the very beginning of his account, he's painted this picture of light versus darkness and what all of that means. And so that night, now we have after the Passover, Jesus and the disciples there in the garden. And now Judas returns with the soldiers. They arrest Jesus. Jesus faces uh, an illegal trial in the middle of the night. The next morning, Jesus faces the Roman officials. He's beaten severely, tortured, nearly unrecognizable as a human. And Jesus is then placed on a cross, at which point the earth grows dark and he dies. And for three days, Jesus is in the tomb. And truly, his followers were devastated. I mean, they were confused. They're overwhelmed at this moment with darkness. Jesus, the Messiah, is gone. And he's not just gone, he's dead. Now, look, you know what comes next. Because John tells us, and Matthew tells us, Mark tells us, Luke tells us. So you know. But they didn't know. Not yet, anyway. They're crushed. They're confused. They're scattered. For them, darkness has won. But John 20, verse 1, early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, there's that word again. Look, if anything's becoming clear about John's writing, um, this man is not just making a point about it being dark because, hey, it's nighttime. No, no. There's all these pictures. It, it was still dark also because Jesus was still dead. It was spiritually dark. It was emotionally dark. And all of his followers were devastated. They were overcome. They're overwhelmed with darkness, just as Jesus said they would be because the light is gone. So yes, just like John writes, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. See, we know. This side of the cross, we know about the resurrection. We know that Jesus is no longer stone cold dead. We know that the darkness that just had its way with Jesus did not extinguish Jesus, the light of the world. But they didn't. Back to verse 14 now. She, Mary, turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought it was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you've taken him away, tell me where you've put him and I'll go get him. Mary. Jesus said. She turned to him and cried out, Rabbi, which is Hebrew for teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father. But go find my brothers and tell them, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and she told them, I've seen the Lord. And then she gave him them his message. Here's basically what she said. Hey, guys, he's here. 
The light of the world is here. He's alive again, but, but apparently he's going away again. Wait, what? So, Mary, you're telling me that the darkness we have just experienced for these three days, that's going to be our entire future? We're destined to live in the dark without the light of Jesus forever? And hey, I, I mean, I get it. Jesus, he kind of made that clear. When he's here, it's light and we can work, right? And then he said, when he's not, it's dark and we're kind of in trouble. So I get it. But you see, this is where we discover, and this is where John discovered, and he put more and more of this together later. And this is where he discovered that, yes, Jesus is leaving. And he won't be here, but Jesus tells them, he tells us, I'm leaving so I can now send God's spirit. In fact, Jesus tells them that this is a good thing. My light will now not just be with you. No, no, it won't be with you, but my light will be in you. Okay, now from this moment, let's fast forward 40 days later. Jesus is there, alive again. He's the light of the world. He's once again with all of his followers as they're kind of gathered all around him. Remember from the beginning, the word, the word who was with God, who was God, is God. The word who became flesh so he could bring his light to the world, this light of the world who was on assignment sent by the Father, Jesus God the Son, he's now going to give his followers, and that includes you and me, he's going to give us our final decision. And he does it right before he sends into the sky and disappears into heaven. Here's the assignment. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. In other words, he's saying, listen, I'm God the sun, the light of the world, and I am speaking with absolute authority, and I am giving you your assignment. Now think about that. Jesus is saying, I have been given total authority to command you, my followers, to do whatever I want you to do. Nothing is off limits for me. I am in charge. And how does Jesus leverage that authority? What does he command his, his followers here in this moment to do? Again, considering that he could have commanded us and them to do anything. He's been given total authority. And Jesus says this, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. He's saying, go wherever you live, all over the place, and go all over the world. Take this story of the light that you now know and you understand. Take it to all people, all people groups everywhere in the entire world, and see them trust in, rely on, cling to me, Jesus, the light. See them entrust their lives to the care and the control of Jesus, the light of the world. Then, after that, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. 
So after they believe in, rely on, cling to, and trust their lives to the care and control of Jesus, then baptize them. Now, let me jump into the story really quick. I find it so interesting that Jesus begins his ministry on earth by being baptized himself. And he ends it by saying, I've been given all authority to command you all to do whatever I want. So now here it is, go and baptize everyone that entrusts their lives to my care and control. His ministry started with baptism and it ends with baptism. Look, I I, I don't pretend to understand all the significance of why Jesus asked us to be baptized. And truth, truthfully, I, I probably never will this side of heaven, but I know this, it is important to Jesus. It's important to him that we take this step. You know, according to church history, in the first century, that was the invitation. People didn't walk forward to pray a prayer or to join a church. No, no, no. They stepped forward and they were baptized, but only after they entrusted their lives to Jesus. Being baptized was the signifying event that shouted to the world, that world who just might kill them because of it. It was what shouted to their families, their families who probably would disown them because of it. But it was shouting, I am a follower of Jesus. I am trusting in Jesus, the light of the world. Kind of makes us think a little, doesn't it? And then Jesus gives us these last Two commands with that authority. Again, all authority. He could have commanded us to do whatever he wanted. And here's what he said is on the to-do list. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. You know, following Jesus means that you actually follow the way and the teachings of Jesus. Through God's Spirit, we begin to live like Jesus lived. And we begin to see the world the way Jesus sees the world. We begin to love the way Jesus loves and serve the way Jesus served. And then he gives us the last command, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus is saying, friends, while you're working on this to-do list, don't forget, I'm the light of the world. I was the light of the world yesterday. I'm the light of the world right now in this moment, and I will be the light of the world forever, and darkness will never, ever ever extinguish it. So, church, those are our assignments from God himself, from God the Father with God the Son and and through the power of God the Spirit. There it is. And it's given to us with all urgency, given to us right now while there is still light, while there is still time for, for souls to entrust their lives to the care and the control of Jesus, and while there's still time before a permanent decision is made to love the darkness, and we know there's still time. There is still time because he hasn't returned yet. So let's use it right. Let's use it to see people entrust their lives to the care and the control of Jesus. and then. Let's baptize them. And and then let's teach them to follow the way of Jesus. And let's remember that Jesus is still God through the Spirit, and he is still in 
in this world as the light of the world through God's spirit. The light of the world. And now that light is being created within us. You know all these things on this list? We do these things really mostly every time the church gathers on a Sunday and we do these things um, uh, during small groups. We, we see people entrust their lives to the care and control of Jesus. We teach these follow, to, to follow the way of Jesus and to remember that Jesus is still with us through God's spirit. He's the light of the world being created as, as light through us. But one of these things we only do occasionally, and we make a special deal about it when we do it because Jesus made a special deal about it, and that's baptism. If you have not at some point you've entrusted, if you have entrusted your life to the care and the control of Jesus, but you have not yet been baptized after that point, then there's no question. This is, as we like, a sure thing. I like a sure thing. So do you. This is a sure thing. I'm telling you, based on John's writing, based on what Jesus taught, if you have entrusted your life to the care and the control of Jesus and have not yet been baptized after that point, you need to be baptized according to Jesus. Jesus wants it. He commanded it. Jesus expects it. So really, why wouldn't we? I mean, it's as if sometimes the conversation sounds like this. Oh, oh, Jesus, thank you. Jesus, thank you for your death. Thank you for your horrible death that you died for me. But hey, Jesus, don't expect me to get into that water and declare that I'm yours. I mean, Jesus, really, you're expecting way too much. Friends, if it feels like that we're leveraging some tension here, we are. We mention this every single time we specifically teach about baptism. You can look back on SoundCloud and you can listen to them and say, we do. Let me tell you this. Here's what we say. Any form of anything that anyone called baptism, if it was before you were personally following Jesus, then it wasn't the baptism that Jesus is talking about. Guess what? I, I had one of those before I was really following Jesus. And you know what that was? You know what it's actually called, the term for that? It was just me getting wet. I was just getting wet. You know, for some of us, we were baptized as infants, as babies. And it was a special time for our parents, and it was a special time for our family. But listen, it had nothing to do with us personally choosing to follow Jesus, and then us personally letting the world know that we're turning from darkness and we are choosing to follow Jesus the light. So like I said, we're not hiding what we're trying to do here. This, this is the point for today. Is it time for you to be baptized? And if yes, you can. We're baptizing next on August 20th. Just let Cole or me or one of the leaders know. They'll let us know. Just let us know. If you have questions, we'll try to answer them. We will not pressure you into this step. We'll just try to answer your questions. But here's my question for you. Why wait any longer? Now, don't do this because I want you to. 
Do it because Jesus wants you to. Jesus asked us to do it. It's on a Christ followers to-do list. Why wouldn't we want to please him? I mean, honestly, it's not too much to ask. Jesus said, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And honestly, being baptized is actually way up there on the list right after you follow Jesus. And as Jesus said, and be sure of this, I am with you to the very end of the age. Let's pray. Jesus, you are the light of the world. And you told us to go and make disciples. And then to after they choose to entrust their lives to your care and control, you said, then baptize them and teach them to follow all of your commands, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, we're, we're doing our best. We want to do just that. And we believe, as you told us, that you are with us yesterday. You are with us right now. And you will be with us for every single tomorrow. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name that we pray these things. Amen.